Why do you have a little like happy tree pool background? Are you in a cartoon right now? Well, Discord now has backgrounds, and I wasn't going to do one, but this one was called Wumpus Vacation. So, <laughs> where is the backgrounds? Oh, change video background. I see it. Aha, there you go. Discord the movie Cyber City. I'll just be none. It's fine. I don't like the blurriness that pops up around the edges. Yeah, You're like only half there to me. It's just because I'm not like lit well enough really for it to do the keying. But if you get your own green screen behind you, you could just have whatever you want behind you. Well, yeah. But then you would course. never be able to wear the color green again. But what what about when I'm not on camera? I look, I don't make the rules. That's just that's just how it is. Alright, maybe I'll avoid that then. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to episode 215 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me today, as always, is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee! Hi Chris, how's it going? It's going good, how are you? Well, I have the internet, so that's good. I didn't have yeah. it for the last two days. That's troublesome in 2021. Yeah, some sort of like local area outage from uh at&t which suck by the way they wanted when i called them to see what the problem was they're like oh do you want to upgrade <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> no i just want internet but now i'm back and i get to finally podcast we had to set it up for it set it back a day because i couldn't yeah. access the internet and i wasn't willing to drive to raleigh which is fine i understand that that's pretty fair well before we get into things we want to take a second to announce our new sponsor super excited for this long time coming yeah so we're really really excited and definitely highly recommend using their services our new sponsor is enron just the world leader in energy trading so if you want to get into safe secure unregulated energy trading you know enron that's that's the way to go so super exciting partnership for us and uh you know we hope we hope you use their services we're, we're really excited about this space we're expanding into yeah we're, we're just aggressively getting new sponsorships so we'll 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 test some waters here and there and we'll let you know mm -hmm. what we're working on future episodes but for now it's it's all about enron yeah just an exciting new partnership uh that we think everybody's really going to benefit from but you know this cast is not all energy markets and exciting technologies it is mostly magic the gathering and with the World Championship this weekend, we wanted to mostly be talking about Standard. And maybe we talk a little bit about Limited at the end of the episode, but because uh, this is like the first tournament in 10, 15 years that has Limited as a part it, of it. So I'm going to admit ignorance here. I The World Champion news has been leaking over Twitter, which mm -hmm. I've been following, but as a lack of internet, like <laughs> I've not been Tough. able to like investigate what the formats are and stuff yes it is limited though right yeah it's midnight hunt draft and standard i don't think there's another format i think it's just the two more formats and that seems really hard to prepare for so and it is being run through mtg melee for some reason i do they not have in-house tournament software it's so weird i mean obviously they don't i guess but i don't yeah, like it's a different tournament structure. 
because I, I don't know what the bracket is or something like that, but, you know, it's not just like a Swiss tournament or whatever. But I don't, I'm confused as to why they weren't just like doing it by hand or whatever and why they like made the players submit their deck lists through MTG Melee. Because as everyone now knows, the deck list got leaked because whoever at Wizards was running the MTG Melee tournament didn't check the box that said like keep deck lists hidden. So the players submitted their deck lists and then they were leaked. No Ichikawa deck list though. No Ichikawa deck list, that's true. <laughs> but I don't want to just talk about these deck lists. I want to give a little bit of context via the way that Standard has developed very quickly over the past week or so. Not that like the fundaments of the format have changed at all, but I think we have sort of a broader understanding of archetypes and matchups and like the driving forces of kind of churn in the metagame and and what to expect yeah because last week we talked about like mostly three decks more or less we, we mm-hmm. like jumped around a little bit but it was mostly the mono green stuff the all runs epiphany varieties like the is mm-hmm. decks plural and then there's like some ramp ones and then the the blood on the snow decks Mm-hmm. and we're no longer in that like three deck paradigm plus a bunch of other random stuff well and yeah we're in particular no longer really going to be talking about blood on the snow decks kind of as predicted rest in peace blood on the snow you had a good week which was honestly longer than i thought it would be yeah i mean so the the honed decks at this point the the battle tested thing concepts for decks that that are going to define the metagame like we really are polarized between mono green aggro at one end and these uh all runs epiphany decks at the other end like yes there are kind of two subtypes to the epiphany decks there's dragons versions that have goldspan dragon and smoldering egg in them and then there's non goldspan dragon versions these ones are more defined by having galvanic iteration in them they don't have goldspan dragon sometimes they have some number of smoldering eggs mostly in the results that we've seen is that dragons has done very poorly compared to the more controlling galvanic iteration version of the all runs epiphany deck and so i mostly we're going to shorthand to talking about the galvanic iteration deck it's generally really really difficult for the is it deck that doesn't have galvanic iteration to beat the deck with galvanic iteration it's just basically impossible to interact with that and you lose to it so you're just racing to do that in those matchups because i mean those matchups aren't about the dragons or racing damage it's just about going as big as possible and Mm -hmm. iteration is doing that at the expense of a lot of the mono green matchup to be honest but it does beat up on the mirror or any kind of like strategy like that yeah, and that's really notable, and I think that's really defining to how this works and how the deck is developing and then how it developed going into Worlds. Kind of leading up to this past weekend where we had a bunch of SCG satellites and then the 5K, or whatever amount of K those weekend <laughs> events are. We had certain circles on Twitter really like complaining or you know just talking about how powerful like this galvanic iteration all runs epiphany deck is and, and and you know so some of it wasn't just talking about how powerful it is but also just like the constraints that it puts on the format it is the end game that beats the other end games in order to beat it you need to 
close the game out before this thing happens to you because a time stretch and four one one flyers is it's going to be enough that'll that'll kill you no small reason my blood on the snow is completely dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> in the frozen water <laughs> yes and so we went into the satellites this weekend with that as like the oh yeah everybody knows that this deck is busted you just have to play it but the i think the unfunness of playing against it sort of translated into people thinking it is more raw powerful than it actually is people were talking i'm sorry people were talking about this deck as if it's like the second coming of the nexus of eight decks decks with like wilderness agrimation search for Escanta. it was just like a tamiyo uh, collector of tales it's just like not as powerful as that it's not consistent it's like not an engine it's just a really good end game yeah and and to get there to combine these two cards the decks got pretty inbred in ways to to win the mirrors so we see deck we see these decks playing like four expressive iterations four memory deluge cutting removal just playing ways to dig exclusively almost so the deck is just like nothing but cantripping card advantage into trying to play this eight mana combo and as the satellites went on we saw that get worse and worse and worse so satellite number one on friday we see the top eight is almost entirely is it epiphany monogreen aggro does win it though and that is a harbinger of things to come sort of as you go through the satellites from there it just gets worse and worse and worse for epiphany until it is like an almost exclusively mono green dominated metagame. Let's see, like Satellite 8. I, I guess in that one, we, we get some Is It Epiphany still doing fine. But generally, like the mono green aggro decks just beat up on the Epiphany decks. They were not set up to fight this fight. The removal didn't match up well against the creatures. Like you just kind of died before you got to that 8 mana. Drawing two uh, memory lapses is just such a big blow against mono green. Or not memory lapse, what's it called? Memory deluge. Yeah, yeah. Like like drawing memory deluge is such a huge liability. And you know, then we see, okay, so by by satellite eight, these epiphany decks have adjusted pretty significantly. So, you know, this one is running two demon bolts, two main deck burning hands a couple of prismari commands it's cut one of the memory deluges so it's not and it's running three burn down the house and you know some of these versions just weren't running sweepers at all generally you see that when they're running smoldering eggs then you run those instead of sweepers i've found that that can be a big liability against blizzard brawl so you have to be really careful with how you set that up and so it's a big question of how you want to build to be at your best against mono green over the course of the weekend mono green won a lot of matches versus is it epiphany not too hard to figure out when everyone's treating this deck like it's a, a cantrip combo engine and it's just gonna get run over creatures because it has no good defense for them as people right. are building it uh and and i mean like one big thing that i noticed even building your deck to try to engage with mono green on an interactive axis it's not the best plan uh i you know mike braverman 
sixoed one of these with is it dragons and his version was as explicitly addressed to mono green as possible you're playing goldspan dragon to try to like advance to the end game more quickly he was playing four main deck burning hands like when i was when i got matched up against mono green i barely sideboarded because you were almost pre-boarded for that matchup and i'm i'm okay with like that goldspan dragon plan but you still can feel really behind like old growth troll in play is just what do you you kill it you just like ramp them to and and also a lot of the the green deck started playing three or four main deck ren and seven which is very good in the matchup too so like you you kill the old growth troll and then they can just cast ren and seven next turn like you're not getting to your epiphany at that point yeah you just have to be tree folk tokens now <laughs> yes and so even these builds of is it midrange that are or of is it epiphany that are running like the quote correct removal suite you know if they draw enough old growth trolls if they if you just stumble a little bit if they snakeskin veil at a good opportunity like your removal just kind of sucks a lot of the time in this matchup especially since a lot of people are playing stuff like demon bolt which is kind of clunky at base value uh you really can't afford anything to go wrong when you're demon bolting stuff yeah for sure i have been playing a little bit of one of the world's decks actually maybe a little too much of one of the world's decks i was really enjoying playing it and it did have one copy of demon bolt in it and one copy of demon bolt felt pretty nice like you could generally leverage it uh i never felt like i wanted the second one in the deck though yeah and I, i've seen people load up on like four of that card just trying <laughs> to combat the green menace uh, not is a the, huge fan is the world's deck you played like the cassis nasif uh grixis one yeah the grixis one so we'll we'll start in on those lists in just a second but i just want to make sure that we're getting like all of the context here that we are definitely polarized between those two ends of the format uh but that is not to say that like mono green is the most aggressive that you can get. So like if you want to not play an epiphany deck and not play mono green, I think there are kind of some ways of doing this. Uh, one of the things that I really found that was effective against mono green is just the color white in standard. Yeah, I, I called out mono white last week, I think, right the week before. Yeah, yeah, you did. Because... I think it won. No, it got second in the challenge. Uh, one of the challenges this weekend. Redain exists. It's just mm -hmm. a card. <laughs> yeah, and it's fantastic against both of these S tier decks. It makes their epiphanies and sweepers cost way more in the epiphany matchup. And mono green is all snowlands. If you play Redain on the play, then they're just playing a mana down for the rest of the game, pretty much. Your battlefield is not as good in mono white as like a mono white aggro deck. It's not as going to be good on the curve as a mono green deck is. But with cards like uh, Elite Spellbinder and uh, Lumigrid Aspirant, I believe is the card name, the thing that makes your creatures bigger. Plus one, some kind of return. Luminar Aspirant. Yeah, Luminar Aspirant. Uh, those, those cards are like, and Brutal Cathar, like really leverage disruption in your favor, which mm -hmm. if you're making their lands come to play tapped with Retain making their blizzard balls not as good i uh, can like really swing the the games in favor for you yeah i mean their blizzard brawls are definitely the best card yeah in that matchup and their brutal turnaround turns all involve casting a blizzard brawler too 
But one thing that I found is your hands that have a Luminarch Aspirant, like you generally just are as big or bigger than the green decks because that card is really good in those like going punch for punch kind of matchups. Uh, and yes, also, absolutely. Also, these decks Cathar. have taken to playing uh, the one two from Kaldheim with flying and first strike. Yes, which is like just battle, battlefield raptor. I or have whatever. no idea what the name of the card is. I could not tell you if you asked me, but you could just like load counters on that or throw a. Some of these decks play Small of the Skyclave. And if you're not actually killing them with Small of the Skyclave the turn you play it, the Battlefield Raptor just takes over the... Yeah. Uh, and one... In, like, Brutal Cathar is particularly good. It's so much better than Skyclave Apparition in this matchup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it can hit the tokens, and that's really important. But then its body does become really relevant. It has First Strike on the 3-3 side, and that keeps most of their stuff from attacking into it all on its own. You pump it once, and... You know, they can't attack you with old growth troll anymore unless they have like leveled a ranger class. Uh, it's just, but, but like this is your, this is your oblivion ring that also yeah, it's a just is spell. a body. Yeah. You also have fateful absence, usually with like a, a two of to, to clean up any of their like Oseka's chariots or a uh, mm-hmm. natural growth if they're still playing that. Just anything that lets them go big. Fateful absence can't hit a natural. It can't hit growth. enchantments, can it? No, oh, it's no. just creatures and planeswalkers. Uh, nobody's really playing unnatural growth anymore, though. Okay, that's good. I was I was actually really surprised. I was listening to Jerry and Brian talk about it on their episode last week, and they were talking about I, I think like using it to speed you speed up your kill in the like epiphany matchup. But I don't think you need to do that, right? Because you're not trying to just clock them as quickly as possible. You're playing this game of resilient threats and you just want to keep drawing threats because like basically you want to attack with one creature every turn until they are dead and make your creatures like kind of annoying and hard to remove and i don't think unnatural growth is a part of that plan against the epiphany decks it's just a card that you can draw that they don't need to kill if they can kill your other creatures yeah it's it's a big aura i mean it's not bad like if you have it in play or whatever but Mm -hmm. the danger is like drawing it when it's yeah. a creature you need, and that is probably too much. I I think so. And I think that, you know, when you're playing this deck, the reason to play Mono Green is that you beat up on, on Epiphany decks that aren't set up to fight back. So you want to maximize that matchup as much as possible. So most of the non-Mono Green, non-Epiphany decks that we've seen, like, do have to be targeted in one way or the other. Basically, they're, like, either Brutal Cathar decks or they are like Delvery decks that are clearly suited to fighting decks that are casting gigantic sorceries. Uh, but the trick is finding a deck that can be good against both of these ends of the spectrum. And that is a tough ask. I believe one of our world's competitors may have done it, but it is really difficult to be good against both. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure that it ultimately ends up being possible once everybody like has all of the information, but you may be able to catch some builds by surprise. Like, you know, mono white, if your epiphany opponent isn't ready for it, doesn't have any number of, uh, you know, the, the cheap instant speed sweeper in their sideboard, their removal is all specifically targeted towards mono green, then maybe you can get under them. But 
your creatures are so small their removal generally lines up pretty well and it can be tough like what deck do you think is the are you talking about mori's azorius deck team brought yeah so i i played this a little bit this is and i'm trying to pull up the actual list i, I have the list in front of me it's azorius tempo yeah by noriyuki mori it's just like two legion angels four spellbinders three ordains four spectral and intrepid adversaries which are the blue and the white one with some aspirants some malevolent hermits one all reds epiphany for value <laughs> uh some fading hopes some concerted defenses it, it's really just a tempo deck you play your one drop or excuse me there are no one drops in standard you play your two drop <laughs> and you <laughs> just disrupt them with like spell binders or counter spells or stuff like that yeah and you know it's very clear how this deck plays out or at least tries to play out against the epiphany decks you know you're a spell pierce deck with pressure and you're trying to do that to the best of your ability this is a meta that spell pierce would be incredible in because every deck is trying to do proactive big non-creature things at least the two main decks you know we've got lots of asika's chariots and ren and sevens in the mono green deck and allrun's epiphanies in the allrun's epiphany deck so spell pierce would just be a fantastic card we don't have spell pierce the closest we can get is concerted defense this deck it's like a one point to 1.3 mana spell pierce yeah so if you don't know what concerted defense is it's a, just a blue mana counter non-creature spell unless they pay one plus one for each member of your party which is wizard cleric rogue warrior uh this deck has clerics and aspirant and spellbinder and two legion angels as warriors and two malevolent hermits as wizards so you're human scout and an intrepid adversary and your loyal warhound dog do not count as party members <laughs> no and i mean like that definitely shows like this is a force spike a lot of the time but if you are pressuring your opponent enough then that can be enough but you know there's no hard counters in here there's no even disdainful strokes in the sideboard I mean, you do you do end up at four malevolent hermits post board, which is certainly one of the best cards available against the Epiphany decks. So, so, like the plan against Epiphany was pretty clear. I didn't really care about figuring that out, but I did play some matches with Philip against Mono Green, and this deck is actually set up pretty nicely against Mono Green. They're playing big dumb creatures, and you can be a lot like kind of nimbler around them your stuff is a little bit cheaper you have more instant speed things you can just sort of like annoy them to death with flyers spectral adversary locks down an entire combat and then is a big flyer and luminarch aspirant also like luminarch aspirant on the play just ends up outsizing their whole deck and combats are like don't favor them anymore yeah that card is is really good especially with any flyer you can put it on or if intrepid adversary is also pumping your team mm -hmm. uh, gets out of hand real quick yes yeah and intrepid adversary is awesome like even if you play it and they immediately remove it like you still get to all the removal is fight spells so you still get like four life out of it which can be the key to winning a race and you probably got some damage the turn that you played it because it pumped your team so 
just th this deck is really nicely set up. Uh, it's got the Redanes post board against Mono Green. You've got the full four Brutal Cathars. I would really love, I mean, I hope that Mori is a good drafter because I would love to see him do well in this world. I really like this deck. Yeah, and he, he brought the most unique deck. Like, most everyone is playing either an Epiphany deck, Mono Green, or uh, one person registered Mono White, one person registered this this tempo deck, and everything mm -hmm. else is, like, kind of the same. Yeah. I mean, I do want to talk about the innovations in the Grixis Epiphany deck because yeah. I think they're substantial. Let's do it. So... the. the there are a lot of innovations in the Grixis deck because there's a lot of one-ofs and also we're playing Lier now. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's really the big thing here. So I, I don't think a big innovation for the Grixis deck is making the deck Grixis. You can basically... That's what, what everyone wants to make every deck Grixis. If I've played any amount of Arena Ladder, I know that to be true. The black cards are like hyper whatever in this deck. <laughs> They're the most whatever payoff you've ever gotten from adding a color to a deck. It's two duresses, a Blood Chief's Thirst, and a Power Word Kill in the main deck. Power Word Kill is just... Like, you could you easily can simulate Blood Chief's Thirst and Power Word Kill with red cards. Like, you don't get anything out of playing the black versions of those effects. The duresses, like, okay, that's, that is a unique effect. And it is a good card in the Epiphany Mirrors. But it's not that good of a card it's a an offensive card as in like you can check to see if the coast is clear before trying to go for your epiphany but most things don't really interact with your iteration epiphany especially in game ones anyways and you can't duress their epiphany or their galvanic iteration effectively <laughs> yeah to me the duresses in this deck seem more like a jetaxian probe than anything else Yes. Which is not bad. I mean, Jetaxian Probe's a lot freer, but having the information of hand checking is still pretty valuable. Yeah. And honestly, the most impressive black card in the 75, you know, there's another Power Word Kill and another Duress in the sideboard, and there are two Go Blanks. And the Go Blank was really good for me in the mirrors. Uh right. I need the text of Goblank, because I know that's a mind rot, but I don't remember what else it does. Oh, it exiles their graveyard. Okay. Yeah. And in, in the mirrors, clearing up the flashback of the memory deluge that they played is, like, that's enough value to make a mind rot good enough. But also, you can set up these punish turns where you galvanic iteration go blank and strip their entire hand. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So, that was... That's... Oh, there's also a soul shatter in the sideboard. There's so many one ofs in this 75. But you, you see a lot of cards and there's such a, you know, all of the answers are like kind of specific to the things they're good against. But like the one ofs in the main deck of this thing, there's one smoldering egg, one burn down the house, one blood chief's thirst, one prismari command, one demon bolt, one cathartic pyre, one cinderclasm, one power word kill. Like your opponent doesn't really know what you're going to have, even if they have your list which I think is an intentional reason behind doing things this way. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, this deck also plays the Celestos, which is a different card we <laughs> did talk about. Did you have, yeah. do you have... How does that work? Okay, so this is super important. This is the core of the deck, is the Celestos and Lear. They're, th this is like the reason that this deck is, is good and cool, 
and it has nothing to do with adding the third color to the deck. The innovation here is, look, it is a fool's errand to try to kill every creature out of mono green until we finally hit eight mana and can iteration epiphany with a foretell fit in there somewhere. It's just, that's just not a winning strategy. You will lose 60% of your matches trying to do that versus mono green. So the the thing that I was thinking of, one thing that, um, and Kowalski posted a list that was just like, plan removal against mono green just sucks. Like you get snakeskin veiled, their trolls come back. I don't want to be playing this game against them because they're so good at it. So instead I'm going to play green cards and mm-hmm. I'm going to play root coil creeper. And so he was playing, you know, a teamer list that was ramp cards and Asika's chariots and Renin sevens, and then has epiphany galvatic iteration as the end game, because that's the best way to engage with the other epiphany decks. I liked that idea, but this is kind of just bringing it back in saying, okay, we don't need to go all the way to doing Asika's Chariots and Renin Sevens and like making our, you know, not playing expressive iteration in particular is like the big cost of doing something like that. Yeah. Uh, you you want to be digging to your epiphanies with the same efficiency as the other epiphany decks. So what we're going to do instead of making our only end game epiphany iteration with removal spells along the way is we're going to play the Celestis that helps us get there a little earlier. It's a lot like playing a removal spell that matches up against whatever threat they were playing on the extra turn. uh, If you want to conceptualize it that way. And I mean, you know, not necessarily the, the cleanest comparison, but generally on turn three, if they have an old growth troll in play, the thing that I most want to play is a mana ramp spell. That's way better than trying to kill their old growth troll because none of the cards in standard do it effectively. Yeah, okay, fair. So, you know, we get there a little bit earlier, and what we set up here is that our end game against mono green is not epiphany galvanic iteration. I think that their intent is actually that you sideboard out the galvanic iterations in the mono green matchup because you don't need it to win the game when you have Leer. And so Leer gives all of your spells flashback. Let me tell you, playing on arena and then putting the Leer in play (laughs) and then having your graveyard just migrate to your hand, it's a good feeling. And the way this deck is built with the Celestis to help you get there a turn earlier... And what you really want to do is you want to play Leer with Fading Hope up. So it's a six mana play, but then they can't kill your Leer with a fight spell. And then as soon as you untap with Leer and you have removal spells, a big variety of removal spells, because now we're in the world where, okay, we have the biggest, the world's biggest Snapcaster Mage in play. So all of our one-ofs are paying off because we get to have the biggest selection of possible spells from here. And it, it just like, it's not something that mono green is able to overcome at that point when you untap with Lear. So this alternate game plan is really, really important. And while I don't think it makes mono green heavily favorable or anything, I did feel extremely better equipped in that matchup. My plan felt like, okay, this makes sense. This actually works the majority of the time that I draw the cards to do it, as opposed to I've got an iteration epiphany and in order to do that, like my opponent has to draw two more lands than they were supposed to draw. Like there's there's no other way to beat them. And, and the neat thing about the the Leer feeding hope, fading hope 
combo is that the Fading Hope can just be in your graveyard. You don't need yeah. that both in your hand. Exactly. You don't need to sandbag it. You can use it to bounce a token, bounce an old control, and then it's there when you need it. Yeah, it's really uh, nice. Really, really nice. And of course, you have all the one ofs you could, you know, shake a stick at. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that that makes sense with the layer. Like you just get to cast whichever ones are the best in that spot and generally gets you there. The only four ofs in this deck are Expressive Iteration, one of the most powerful card advantage cards that they've printed in a very long time. All Runs Epiphany, the deck, the card the deck is named after, and Fading Hope, an unsummon that is uh, absolutely at the core of this deck strategy. And, and Haunted Ridge. Well, okay, land, I'm not <laughs> counting lands here. You gotta get that black splash in. <laughs> but yeah, Fading Hope, it was, in other Epiphany decks, the bounce spells felt like a necessary evil you know, okay, yes, they're good for buying time. We're getting especially, to an end game. Especially divide by zero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but you know, you're you're like conceding, like, all right, the removal spells don't match up very well against stuff like old growth troll. There are tokens, so hopefully we can get value out of these some amount of the time. But like we kind of have to play some bounce spells in order to get there. In this deck, the fading hopes just felt phenomenal and like just absolutely a four of that deserve their spot in the deck sacrifices that you make by playing this version i felt pretty bad in game ones versus the epiphany mirror sure uh i mean the the celestis helped but they just have more iterations in here just too much too much selection yeah, I mean, they had a little more selection if they were playing four Memory Deluges where we're only playing three. Sometimes your mana bites you a little bit in early turns. They often have some amount of counter magic main deck. Like, if they were playing Negates, like, it felt pretty bad because your Leers are not good in that matchup. They don't survive to, like, give you any advantage. Like, your endgame is absolutely a have-to-iteration epiphany. And I, I just felt a little disadvantaged versus the versions of the iteration decks that were built with the mirror in mind and just like kind of hoping things would work out against mono green. Like obviously they're they're targeted towards that. And so those matchups felt pretty hard game one. Post board though, you know, you've got all your hermits and you've got your go blanks and you have a plan that I, I felt okay with. Can I ask you how you felt about test of talents is like an answer to all runs epiphany especially in the mirrors yeah it was annoying to play against test of talents but that's the spot where your duresses are way better and so i would often you get a feeling for if they're holding up test of talents and i would just wait until i could find a duress that kind of reactive stuff can be good in some spots but it's certainly not a a breaker of any sort one of the things that this deck can do is against the teamer, like the werewolf deck splashing blue for negates or tests of talents, is I tried just sideboarding out my galvanic iterations and all runs epiphanies, and then they just got stuck with negates in their hand that didn't do anything anymore, and I just beat them with Leer. <laughs> but Leer makes things uncounterable anyway. It's true, and that is something that does come up, especially in game ones, is sometimes it's just a gigantic benevolent geist that makes your stuff uncounterable, and then you just get to Epiphany with no fear whatsoever. That That is always nice. It's like, like one of the nice things about Teferi Time Raveler, 
when you're playing mm-hmm. it the fair way. Just cast a spell and you know your opponent can counter it. It's a good feeling. And and that's boy, yeah, when you like intentionally throw your malevolent hermit into combat so that you can turn it into benevolent geist and then you can start casting all runs epiphanies with no fear of negate you you feel pretty good the sideboard cyclone summoners are also really important in the mono green matchup i didn't have anybody come back after i put a cyclone summoner into play it just buys way too much time and then is too enormous with all runs epiphanies for them to deal with effectively See, that's another card I had to look up. That's a 7-mana 7-7 that bounces all permanents except for giants, wizards, and lands when you cast it from your hand. (laughs) Yeah, so it bounces all their tokens. They have to recast their planeswalkers or Asika's chariots or whatever. You do have to recast your Celestis. So (laughs) often, like, it it can be tough to iteration the turn after your summoner, uh, to, like, iteration Epiphany the turn after your summoner. But I think that ultimately you're supposed to sideboard out your Galvanic iterations in the mono green matchup anyways. So it's it's kind of okay. You're just kind of on a summoner plan in that matchup now. Yeah. And I mean you 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 still you keep your epiphanies, of course, but you you don't need to copy them to win. You're on a Leer summoner, like actual control deck plan, and I think that that's the best place for you to be. I think your win condition is just surviving until you can cast an epiphany. And then whatever mm-hmm. creature you've assembled along the way is just going to get you there. You don't necessarily need to have a bunch of birds carry you. Yeah, exactly. And and it's kind of like Leer is your gold span dragon, almost. Like, if you Epiphany with a Leer in play, if you untap with a Leer in play, like, you're doing a lot at that point. Plus, you get Mind Flayer, too. So if you Mind Flayer, any other creatures in Epiphany is going to be fine. I'm way back and forth on Mind Flayer. The first one that I cast got snakeskin veiled, and that was really <laughs> bad. Uh, one thing that this build of this deck really struggles against is I think that they found a way to make your matchup against Is It Dragons actually bad because you just like have nothing that interacts with Goldspan Dragon. Yeah, this deck has what? A demonic, a, de- a demon bolt, a burn down the house, and a kick to Blood Chief's Thirst yeah and the sorcery speed ones don't work you find yourself like okay i guess i'll fading hope it but like you're giving them the mana to recast it when you do that (laughs) and it it doesn't i found myself like massively massively on the back foot against gold's ben dragon uh especially because like you're you're doom blade in your main deck and one in your sideboard are power word kill when you're holding that against Gold's Ben Dragon, it just feels atrocious. And so they were able to start epiphanying before I could, generally. Yeah. I mean, it's power word kill because they don't they're trying to kill the monogreen creatures, not the, the dragons. Just mm-hmm. backfires we will dragon you. Yep. And I don't think anybody showed up to worlds with Gold's Ben Dragon in their deck. So I think they're it's dead, a smart choice. Actually. One oh. player uh played dragons. I'll find it in a second here. Dun, dun, dun. I think it was a yeah, it's a Kaisuke Sato. No, no, no. That's Epiphany. I know I know there is one. I saw it earlier. Okay, here we go. It's Yuta Takashi. Oh, okay. Four Goldspan, four Smoldering Egg, three Epiphany, two Rebuke. Bunch of iterations, deluges. Still the Divide by Zeros, plus some Lessons. It's just like a normal Is It's Dragon deck you would have seen. Uh, with, with like number tweaks, of course. Losing the Divide by Zeros from the Grixis deck 
while I think it generally is good, it certainly costs you against exactly Goldspan Dragon. Yeah, Divide by Zero was, I think, more fun than it was powerful. <laughs> because it always felt really bad when they ran in six Jersey Gustariated you. Like, you, you just can't bounce the Tree Folk, and then you have yeah. to go do something else to get a lesson to deal with the thing that your card was unable to deal with in the first place. It's just uh, so many hoops to jump for a kind of overcosted card. Yeah, and I think getting them out of the deck is generally going to be what you want. Uh, in other news of a non-Epiphany variety, mm-hmm. uh, someone did bring uh, Jean-Emmanuel Dupra, brought Teamer Treasures to Worlds, <laughs> which is uh, mostly a red-green deck, just bar Sentinel Magda deck. With the top end of uh, Moonville Regent Goldspan Dragon, Ranger Class, and Asika's Chariot. No Ren and Seven. And it's just lightly splashing blue for some negates and disdainful strokes in the sideboard. Negates in the mm-hmm. main deck, disdainful strokes on the sideboard. So I played against, I think, this exact list a couple of times when I was just laddering a little with the Grixis deck. It was a bloodbath. If they didn't have Sentinel into Magna on the play, all their cards were just like wet noodles against the Grixis deck. Yeah, I'm. I, I would have to play this deck to see how it like works. Well, not works, but like how it matches up, because it doesn't feel like it's doing anything power enough, powerful enough to compete with either end of the format, and it's mostly just relying on ramping out dragons. Like maybe you could be monogreen that way, like turn three Moonveil or turn four Goldspan, but the you really have to have Jaspar Sentinel Magda, I think, to. Yeah. Be competitive. I just have serious even in the monogreen matchup, I have serious Blizzard Brawl related doubts. Caution <laughs> flags. <laughs> yeah, it's just doubts about this deck. Yeah, and there are four burning hands in the sideboard, so it's clearly something mm-hmm. on John Emmanuel's radar. So that's actually one of the things that I like about the Grixis deck, is that its plan doesn't involve like oh there's mono green i guess i just have to play like all of these burning hands to try to buy back some percentage points it's like i have a plan and it doesn't involve just like running into your resilient creatures with removal spells yeah we're gonna bounce them and then play Lear and bounce them again and then you will die <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is nice how Lear just buys it makes your all runs epiphany turn so much stronger because even mm-hmm. though you can't flashback epiphany thankfully yeah <laughs> you uh your graveyard is fully stocked and you're untapping with all your lands so you can just deal with the board that way it's really nice yeah even if you're just like cast an epiphany use my one extra mana to fading hope one of your guys like that's usually enough extra you know i ca- i loved casting karn's temporal sundering in standard when that was a thing so now we have to build our own with a legendary creature in play <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anything else in like the world deck list catch your fancy? Uh, I'm taking another peek through. Uh, decks we haven't talked about. There's a mono white deck that Ray Sato submitted. There are two mm-hmm. mono green decks. Actually, there are three. Uh, PV, Seth Manfield, and I thought Sam Party. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Pardee. Sam says Sculptor of Winter. Yes, I, and I think that's a, a solid one. Uh, your twos, when you don't have Sculptor, are only 
werewolf and ranger class. It looks like he's playing it. Yeah, yeah. So 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 this way you get twelve acceptable twos and then also tangled florahedron. Uh, I think sculptor is generally where you want to be, and it just it makes it a lot easier to hold up your snakeskin veils in your snakeskin veil matchup. So it, it has the benefit of being able to do that as opposed to lotus cobra, which Seth is playing, mm-hmm. uh, which cannot. You, you can't yeah. hold open any sort of instant speed interaction with that card. Although you can use it to pay for the thing you cast in your turn and then hold up a land. So it's kind of similar. I, I can't say which one is better. Is the toughness disparity relevant? I don't. Yeah. Spikefield Hazard. Spikefield Hazard is the main thing. That's actually probably good enough for me. Yeah. Like, I just don't want my mana creature to die Spikefield Hazard if possible. And I mean, Spikefield Hazard doesn't do anything against Mono Green except for Kill Lotus Cobra. It doesn't hit anything else, so. Yeah, so just get get rid of that vulnerability. Play Sculptor of Winter instead of Lotus Cobra. I think we're good to go. Yeah, and Sculptor of Winter always makes the mana, where Lotus Cobra, if you don't have the land drop, it, you know, it's... When, when you have Lotus Cobra and you miss your land drop, it feels really, really bad. I guess the other interesting thing is... So, Strasky has also taken a similar approach that i really respect and i I think that is really smart that multiple different ways of coming to this conclusion are are things you can see here so he is not playing the celestis but what he is playing is four unexpected windfalls and i think this card is actually really good in this deck there was one in the sideboard of the Grixis deck, and I kept bringing it in in different matchups and being pretty happy when I drew it just because it makes your next turn, like, incredible. The idea of getting to the late game with Epiphany just a little bit faster. And so what Strasky has done, and I think this has the potential of paying off hugely for him because he is the deck that is best set up for the mirrors. Mm-hmm. He has two Test of Talents main and a bunch of unexpected windfalls. And he's playing four Galvanic iterations. Yeah. So, you know, you you play a lot of games in the mirrors where you've got your Epiphany suspended and you're digging for your Galvanic iteration and you see like 30 cards and you don't see an iteration. And casting one Epiphany doesn't do anything. Casting a copied Epiphany wins the game on the spot. So (laughs) there's a big gap between not doing anything and winning the game and... uh, Strasky is way better set up to just win the game. Kind of surprising to me, though, that being set up this way, I guess his windfalls are taking up some of his card digging slots. So he's only at three expressive iterations and two memory deluges. Yeah, uh, if the windfalls weren't there, I imagine they, those would be much higher numbers. But when you you can only put so many four mana card draw spells in your deck. Right, right. I don't know. I would kind of like to see... I think this build has some really good ideas. The divide by zeros, for me, like, take away from the elegance of this deck a little bit. But, I mean, they are okay in the mirrors, just because there's a decent number of expensive spells. Divide by zeroing their memory deluge can can be okay sometimes. I'm still never really sold on divide by zero. I get that it, like has a place and it does something that isn't terrible because it it does kind of cantrip Mm -hmm. but it is largely like when my opponent plays it against me it's like okay divide by zero that's not too big a deal yeah as opposed to 
when you get your three mana creature fading hoped off of like an expressive iteration and you're like oh god well that hmm. but it is clear that these epiphany decks have been constructed with mono green in mind in a way that the you know even late in the day star city epiphany decks just simply were not they were playing removal that was better suited for the mono green matchup and i don't think that's I, I, you know, I'm broken recording here for sure, but it's not how you yeah, beat Monogreen. I like the Veer angle a lot. Yeah. Like, I was concerned before I saw these Worlds decks that the Epiphany decks were just not very long for this world without very much iteration because, like you said, just playing removal against Monogreen decks not going to get it done. So you kind of just have this hyperlinear deck that falls off and then we go and I, I thought we were going to approach more like a green mid-range into orange epiphany kind of deal like a ramp kind of thing mm-hmm. but when you don't have to do that like with this Greg's epiphany deck it looks really good really good it is good yeah I, I think it's very strong i don't know hopefully we don't end up ultimately in a meta that's completely defined by epiphany i i hope that we find more ways of engaging with it than this but they are getting forced to play these ramp things specifically to deal with mono green and hopefully having these weird things having like leer in the main deck and stuff like that hopefully that opens up a spot for like okay i can play like blue black control that's specifically designed to engage with these types of decks uh play my test of talents or negates and and I guess you don't really have a win condition in blue-black control, unfortunately, but... If Auron's Epiphany. I know, but then you're just a worse Auron's Epiphany deck. Uh, now you see the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I mean, it is potentially a problem, and I, I definitely don't think people were just whining about Epiphany. Like, it's not a great thing if your format is defined by this and there are only a very small handfuls of ways to effectively target this eight mana win the game thing. Yeah, I, I think to me that's less of a problem with the card epiphany and more of a problem with like, what are the strategies you were playing? Like we're talking about mono green and mono white. Some of the best answers to epiphany, <laughs> those are just colors. We're just playing creatures and attacking. <laughs> like where are actual like, cards and strategies and synergies we're putting together they just aren't there so the standard is just all these one card or like yeah. single strategy decks right well yeah i mean and and at their core mono white and mono green are like these decks are good because faceless haven is good right it's like these like these decks are based entirely on faceless haven existing <laughs> and i don't i like uh, all runs epiphany is the outlier in this standard format because it's the most powerful end game but it's mm-hmm. not like standard would be perfect if all Order's epiphany didn't exist you know because yeah the cards are all the same like they're not <laughs> interesting to me like you can put them together in different ways innerstrad added a way more than all the other sets in standard but there's not enough i think honestly we just need more sets and until the next innerstrad set comes out crimson Val, i don't imagine Auron's Epiphany will be unseated or the format at least won't be around containing Auron's Epiphany for like sure. the couple, next couple of months. Yeah, I mean, right. Crimson of Vow is coming right up. Like, this is not the first 
standard where in the small version of the format, some like big expensive spell has been really good. A lot of times that just kind of disappears once we get an extra set or two. I remember playing against so many casualties before. Yes. (laughs) Perfect example. It was absurd because this card is clearly unplayable, but everyone's just jamming for it because they want to beat the casualties of Wormir and everyone's like, all right, we're casualty warring each other. And I'm just over here like, why is casualties war $7? That was also some weird artifact of like Oko stuff too, but... (laughs) Yeah, but that did get banned, so... And people were still doing it. Yeah, yeah. But but small standards are just going to be small. Like, there's not much you can do in them. You just have to figure out what the best cards are. And Auron's Biffany just happens to be the best one. And it's a a little bit of an unpopular card effect, I think, which is why it's getting so much heat. But if the best cards were, like, a Seekus Chariot Ren 6, it'd be, like, a different level of complaining, but still, like, ultimately the same thing. It's just the best hidden game you can have in the format. What do we do for it, you know? Right, and as we've already gone over, like... There is no set of right removal spells that is actually good against Mono Green. So without All Runs Epiphany, I think that a lot of stuff would be rendered very unplayable by Mono Green as well. So, you know, maybe that just means like this is a bad format on multiple levels and it's going to take some work to fix it. And I I don't know. I'm not quite prepared to say that. And I'm more interested in seeing what happens when the next set comes out than anything else. Yeah, pretty much. I think standard only gets better the more sets that come out. I think that's what generally why people like the more modern and legacy kind of formats that don't rotate, that have a million sets in them. Mm -hmm. Because the formats just get way more dynamic the more cards you add into them. And when standard's at its smallest like it is now, uh, it usually takes a little bit before it gets going. Like, I know everyone loved the stupid Ixalan, Guilds of Ravnica, like, Golgari mid-range fest, but that format was terrible. Yeah. I mean, listen, I hear everyone, I want Blood on the Snow to be good as much as anybody else in the world. <laughs> Unfortunately, it seems to be bad. N- not only can you not beat Epiphany, just the full stop, you cannot beat Epiphany. Uh, it's also, like, not favored against mono green so i i believe that's mostly because people all just like copied and pasted a core and then we're using that to cast a to cast blood on the snow and you just need to do things differently against mono green including like put some death touch creatures in your deck play some tainted adversaries like i think you can build it to fix that matchup you can't really build it to fix epiphany though certainly yeah, not at the same time as mono green to me that was a non-starter like i kind of hoped the blood on the snow decks would keep uh, it was a lock to play epiphany in the invitational right so i kind of hoped the blood in the snow decks would just keep trucking along <laughs> so i could pick up those but it doesn't look like that's gonna happen anymore no i mean you can't it's not quite a two deck format but you can't have somebody play Snow Cover Forest, Snow Cover Forest, Werewolf Pack Leader, and then you'd be like, fuck, this matchup sucks. And you also can't have somebody go Riverglide Pathway, Redland, Fortella card, and go, ugh, this matchup sucks. Like, you can't have either of those things happen the first round of your tournament. So you have to think about both of these things going into a tournament. And, and just, like, 
just registering I twitch blood on the snow deck is not doing that. So one of the neat things about the world's deck list dropping is I think the day before Dom Harvey had a poll. How many black decks do you think we'll see in the world's <laughs> deck lists? And the options, it was a poll. The options were like zero, one, one to two, or three or more. Uh, in that poll, I actually voted zero because I didn't think any of the black cards were playable. Like uh, all of the format I thought was just better if you're like mono white, mono green, is it E stuff or like banned stuff, right? But, you know, people just turned up with the Epiphany deck with like technically black Epiphany decks. So I guess joke's on me. Yeah. And I thought looking at the deck after I like parsed it out a little and was like okay celestis like helps your mana the splash gets closer to being free you have leer so you want a bigger variety of like types of things your spells can do and black adds discard to the things your spells can do which you know you can't play counter spells in your leer deck this this list only has malevolent hermits and two juari disruptions so you know it makes sense like, play black. You get to play some discard spells and then flash them back with Lear at some point. The way that it played out, like, you could just mostly build this deck without the black cards if you wanted to. Uh, I think it's, like, perfectly reasonable to play a blue-red Lear deck. You can you can do that. The, the discard spells help. They're good. I don't think they're actually necessary, though. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I I'm more interested in dropping the removal spells... Like swapping them out for kind of similar versions. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the big draw is the discard to being black, so I don't mind keeping the removal spells. But it, I really like duress. I don't know. There's there's something about duress that I really enjoy. Yeah, and even against mono green, getting their chariot or getting their uh sna- like clearing the coast of snakeskin veils before a removal spell is, you know. Duress is fine against everybody. So, and and the black is like kind of cheap enough. I have had some bad mana games, but you know, overall, probably worth it to have black. But if you just want to like keep your mana as good as possible, you're allowed to do that, I think. Yeah. I wonder if you can juggle the lands around a bit more so that you're playing another clear water pathway and maybe not as many of the slow lands. The Snowlands weren't really the... Oh, the Snowlands were fantastic. Okay. They they were just generally incredible. Uh, it was just not having a color, basically, was the problem. Sometimes okay. that happened. Sure. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really see the state of the color black improving outside of, like, a splash at this point. Yeah. The amount of trample in the green deck making Loth kind of awkward is, like, a big problem. Just... I mean, it's, it's just, like, Old Growth Troll and Werewolf Pack Leader really but that's like like old growth troll and the token are enough of a problem because you just can't kill them it's just like there's gonna be a 4-4 trample on the other side and they get bigger with uh ranger class too yeah yeah it's rough rough world rough world to be casting flood on the snow have you mm, no that question's not good anyway (laughs) (laughs) what do you want to talk about are you done with standard yeah, I don't think there's more for us to come up with. I actually, I'm so engaged with the standard right now just because I've been so actively trying to get comfortable with it before invitational, before the invitational so I can like 
really understand what I'm doing in like the week leading up to it and, and get to a good choice because I have the foundation laid. So I'm so engaged in the standard that I am really excited to watch worlds play out. I, I am too, actually, mostly because I want to see if their limited coverage is worth a damn. Yeah. God, uh, they do. They have the template. They did it for all the mock stuff. If they could just do that, please. Cause this, this limited format is really cool. I've been enjoying it a lot. I still haven't played it any. I've been, between being busy over the weekend and then just not having internet the last few days. It's been like quite a while since I've looked at magic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like almost fair. a whole week, but I know it hasn't been quite that long. Because I, you know, I looked at the deck lists when they were all spoiled and all that, but I haven't really engaged with limited very much at all. There's just a really good balance of, you know, kind of the grindy stuff that you expect from a graveyard format. And also like there's a fair amount of tempo things like the best blue green deck is probably uh, an aggressive deck with some number of flyers and the blue green uncommon is a spell with flashback that taps one of their creatures and puts a plus one plus one counter on one of your creatures so like you might be tempted to build the blue green deck as a heavy like mill yourself flashback thing but a better version is like get you dead by tapping you down and that can really mess up somebody who is going deep on I just want to flash back a million spells over the course of the game. Tempo cards. They're great. They're, they're really good. Do you think the blue-black... Because what I've heard about Limited is blue-back is just the best thing to be doing. Those colors are just really good. Yeah, but who cares? Draft is self-correcting. Yeah, but do you think that influences how people can go for the random decks? Like, anything super underdrafted? Yeah, I mean, so... Obviously, everybody wants to have the busted blue-black deck. And and everybody goes into it knowing that everybody around them wants to be on the busted blue-black deck. And I think the depth of commons probably can support just straight-up two completely acceptable blue-black decks at any given draft table, which is kind of rare uh, for that to really be a thing. But there's multiple different kind of things your blue black deck can be built around so there's just definitely ways to build very good blue black decks even if the colors are both under pressure but you know the the fact that draft is self-correcting you know the worst thing to have in a draft format is like an unplayable color because there's no way to fix that like you can't correct a color into playability so that's why Battle for Zendikar was just maybe my least favorite draft format, except for like Avacyn Restored. The forbidden green, one, yeah. Green just wasn't a color. And I so I played a couple of drafts and was like, wow, this just isn't fun at all. We're supposed to have five colors and there are four. Did you, out of curiosity, did you draft a lot of or any uh, invasion block? I actually did. That was kind of when I had just started like doing going to the store and playing in limited things. I think I just enjoyed it because, you know, I was a kid playing magic and it was fun to play with Magic the Gathering cards. I certainly recognize now that like, oh, this like multicolored format with no mana fixing is not really an all time great yeah so i only played that as flashback drafts like years years after the fact because i didn't mm. start playing until after 
Invasion had come out. So the green and white in that format is really, really bad. Like mm-hmm. all the Grixis colors are just insane. Their commons are just insane. They're still in popper cubes to this day. If you look at any <laughs> popper cube, you'll see like eight Phyrexian invasion Rager and, stars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Jilt, Impulse, Probe. Not Impulse. Repulse. Repulse. Yeah. It's just like all two for ones in the Grixis sphere. Right, right. And there's no mana fixing and green and white are like kind of bad. And it doesn't make for the greatest format when you're like, no. well, I'm, I want to be in these three colors and there's no mana fixing at all. Good luck me. Yeah, it, it just makes it awful. I, I agree. There's no way to fix that in the way that draft is self-correcting. I mean, green is like kind of bad in this format. Rough sell for the werewolf set. Come on. Was it? So, yeah, that is huge. I, I... Fortunately, some werewolves are constructed playable. And even to the point where people have built werewolf decks, I don't recommend playing them at this point in the format. But at least there's that to salvage the werewolf set. But the fact that the werewolf draft archetype is maybe the worst of the color combinations in the werewolf set is... It stings, man. It stings. It's also so painful to me that the best werewolf in standard is werewolf pack leader. Just, just like some D&D werewolf. <laughs> no, it doesn't even have... And they did such a good job of making the day-night mechanic work. And it's, like, compelling, and it makes a little mini game. and although it would have been nice if they changed how the board looked, depending on if it were day <laughs> or night, at least it gets, like, a nice little animation. But, you know, the best day and night cards are like the werewolf hate card, Olivia's Midnight Ambush, and like the white creature that every time it flips from day to night looks at the top four cards of your library and puts a creature into your hand. Like, that's better than any of the werewolves. I mean, Brutal Cathar is unreal. Yeah, that's true. But that's not, it's not a werewolf. It's not in green. It's a werewolf. It's, but it's not a werewolf werewolf. It's not a, a gruel werewolf. Okay. Yeah, it is a Boros werewolf. It's a mono white werewolf. <laughs> no, it's red on the backside. You could pyroblast mm-hmm. it or hydroblast it. Hydro, you could hydroblast it. So yeah, that is a bummer. I do think that people could do better if they drafted their werewolf decks a little bit differently. The... I believe the key to drafting werewolf decks is that this is the only deck that duel for dominance is actually good in. And so once people stop taking duel for dominance highly in decks that are full of like two twos with like three, three threes in them, because people still think fight spells are way better than they actually are. So if that gets corrected and people start drafting duel for dominance appropriately, and then you start getting them later, duel for dominance is really good in the deck with like, a common four or five vigilance and stuff in it so yeah sure and and so playing big dudes and removal but you know like yeah the the removal and card advantage options in like the blue black deck just put any build of a werewolves deck to complete shame organ hoarder three and a blue for a three two that just casts strategic planning when it enters the battlefield uh yeah, that common is pretty good. In a graveyard set. Mm-hmm. Wild. I really hope that they do the coverage right, like they did for the mocks, where you can see 
people drafting and who they're passing to and from like focus on one person i think that'd be cool Mm -hmm. i'm actually i'll be really disappointed if they don't do that to be honest because i know they've done it before granted on magic online but like still like i'll consider turning coverage off if i turn it on and the drafting is not done that way i mean i won't turn it off but i'll go do chores while it's on it'll become background noise instead of something i'm actively engaged in yeah but if they do it right i do like watching drafting yeah i i I really do want to watch people who have prepped for a high level limited tournament playing high level limited that sounds really fun to me do you know if the first three rounds are limited or like what's the setup do you remember no if you don't that's okay i can look it up later we'll find out um but yeah i don't know I don't have any particular things that I have to talk about more for Limited. I think did a, a good run through of kind of the development of Standard. Definitely, you know, now we see what the world's decks are, some neat innovations, but it definitely makes me excited for a new set to be added to Standard. Luckily, this is the, it's going to be the shortest time we've ever waited for another set. I believe yeah. this set comes out in like a month. Yes, it's just kind of daunting, but given the way that standard is, I'm like pretty happy about it. So, like, if preview season doesn't start after Worlds, it it's only like a week away, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then the content train keeps rolling into town. We don't have to really do any prep at all. We just get to shoot from the hip on all the previews. Choo choo! Man, I love being wrong about preview cards. It happens all the time. <laughs> uh yeah it's impossible to avoid it but i don't know i need to go back into the archives and pull out some of my more embarrassing misses i'm not gonna do that i'm probably not either because it involves work but i would like to know so out of curiosity i went back and looked at kaldheim just Mm -hmm. to see where seeker's chariot was on my list and it just wasn't there (laughs) not at all (laughs) yeah definitely screwed that one up to be fair, it was hard to see in that standard where well, it I fit think, in. Although it did end up fitting in, but I believe at the time I was actually more interested in like doing it with Luca than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just not like I mean, the card can do that, but that's not really what it ended up being doing. Yeah, did more Yorion stuff. Combining it with the actively good cards ended up being much better. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's it for us for today. Cool. Unless you got anything else? Nope. I mean, I could talk about modern, but it's just all the same stuff. All (laughs) the same stuff it always is. Yeah, we'll get pretty granular with it once, uh, you know, next week or two. I think I'm going to play. I think my plan for this weekend is to play modern while watching Worlds. Worlds. Yeah. yeah. Do you have decks you want to play? In modern? Uh, Yeah. What are you going to try out while you're playing with Worlds? I guess I should ask gonna try out so there's a new living in deck in town i think it's worse than the blue living in deck but i'll give it a shot it's greener so you're running a bunch of endurances main deck yeah, and it gives you so the... you can actually play with force of vigor without exiling your cascade spells yeah exactly so i think that one is just hugely dependent on like how badly do i want force of negations and you know if you want endurances more then maybe this is a thing but you know so i'll try some living end I will probably try some Merktide, try some Hammer Time, and maybe play an Elementals League as well. So we'll see how much I can get in over the course of the weekend. But those are the ones that I am most interested in 
getting comfortable with and find figuring out how much I enjoy playing them. Yeah, that's that's fair. I've done many similar tests. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks to everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. If you'd like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I am at Lee McLeo. And that's it for us. Thanks so much. And have a great week. Goodbye.